Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis with the Zelle app. To box13 at greatdetectives.net. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. And I want to thank Bettina for coming on board at the detective sergeant level. Uh, $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Bettina. Now it's time for this week's episode of The Silent Men. The original air date, February 10th, 1952. And the title is Blood Money. Douglas Fairbanks, Jr. in The Silent Men. The National Broadcasting Company proudly presents Douglas Fairbanks' production of The Silent Men. Transcribed stories of the undercover operations of the special agents of every branch of our federal government and their relentless fight against crime. Now here is Douglas Fairbanks. They've been spilling blood on the frozen hills of Korea. The stretches were stained with it. The foxholes were wet. The eyes of the wounded hopefully searched the sky for the helicopters that were to bring in the blood. Whole blood. Plasma. Your blood. For theirs. I don't think you can know what it's like to be waiting for blood until you've seen the faces of the men who wait. The boys who may have died without it. The tough medical corpsmen who steal themselves not to weep. To give blood is an act of mercy, but to steal it, this is truly low on the totem pole of humanity. And there was a gang vicious enough to do just that. One of our agencies assigned a top undercover agent to get to the root of this evil. In tonight's story, I will assume his identity. Special Agent Mark Wagner. File case entitled, Blood Money. In which only the names and places are fictional. Oh, it's good to get back home after you've finished a long job. I just completed an assignment that had taken me halfway around the world. Now I was in a plane landing at National Airport in Washington, D.C. As I walked down the ramp, mentally figuring how I'd use my time off and luxuriating in the thought of a hot bath, I saw the chief himself had come down to meet me. Mark. Well, an official welcome. I didn't know I was that important. You're late. <laughs> yeah, about six months, I'd say. Come on, over here. Plane waiting to take you to New Orleans. Hey, wait a minute. What for? I just got in. I haven't even got a clean shirt. I need to shave. I'm sorry to do this to you, Mark, but we don't have any time to waste. Uh, life and death, eh? That's right. <laughs> Isn't it always? <laughs> what is it this time? Somebody siphon off Lake Pontchartrain? No, Mark. Blood. Huh? Plasma. A warehouse full of plasma earmarked for Korea. Stolen. Hijacked. Well, what's the dope? Well, it happened before, but only in small amounts. We blamed it on mishandling. But a warehouse full of plasma, that isn't any accident. Warehouse? Where? The big blood processing plant in Indianapolis. It was very daring. You know how they process blood into plasma, a big batch of it at a time? Yes. Well, the shipment was ready, processed, packed, ready to be picked up, but still officially the property of the Defense Department. The plant had it ready to turn over to the military. 
An hour before schedule, army trucks pulled up, presented credentials, and drove off with it. And the credentials were phony, huh? Yeah. We found the trucks abandoned on a country lane outside of Indianapolis. No clues, nothing. No trace of anybody connected with it. We put Joe Chapman on the case. Been on it for weeks, no luck. Now he turns up this lead. Joe, eh? Well, we were in the Navy together, you know. That's why it had to be you. You're the only man available who can recognize Joe on sight. He, uh, thinks he's on to the big man. In New Orleans, eh? Good. Oh, it'll be great to work with Joe again, anyway. No, uh, you don't work with him, Mark. You replace him. He's hot? He's afraid so. He thinks they're onto him. Now, you've got to get right down there and replace him immediately. It's urgent to get on the case before the trail gets cold. Well, where'll I find Joe? Well, we can't afford to arrange a rendezvous for you. It's too risky. Joe's hot. They'll spot you, too. Well, you'll have to devise some way to contact him. Where? On the New Orleans waterfront, in or around the Cafe Mamba. All right, here's your plane. Okay. Sorry about the vacation I promised you, Mark. Oh, forget it. I landed at Marrera Field in New Orleans, checked my bag at the airport, and took a cab to Bourbon Street in the French Quarter. From there, I walked to the waterfront. It was dark. The air was humid and heavy. And I saw the uncertain neon of the Mamba Cafe, a back alley bar that clung like fungus to a flop house. Just as dismal on the inside as on the outside. There weren't more than half a dozen people in the place. I scanned their faces quickly as I sauntered to the bar. The bartender, the man at the piano who looked more like an acrobat than a musician, a few customers, obviously seamen or stevedores, and, and a girl with red hair and sad eyes. But no sign of Joe. I ordered a beer and took it to a table in the corner where I could watch the door if he came in. Are you waiting for somebody? No. You don't want to drink alone. Uh, sorry. I've got all I can do to pay for a beer. You're cute. I'm broke, flat, busted, don't you understand? Go pick yourself another target. <laughs> in here? Yeah, what's wrong with this place? Looks pretty good to me. Oh, you China kid. This joint ain't your type. Come on, have a drink on me. No, thanks. I only take a round when I can buy one back. I'm not trading, sweetie. I'm buying. Charlie, two beers. Two beers. No kidding. What's a fella like you doing in a rat trap like this? What do you mean, fella like me? Are you on the bomb? You got a job? You new in town? Why? Like I said, you're cute. Yeah, I likes to know in case she sees a fella again. Well, hold your fire, sweetheart. All I can afford is a small beer. For one. See you around. I walked away from the girl and out into the street. I was still in front of the saloon when I spotted Joe. He was across the street dressed as a seaman. Although he didn't give any sign of recognition, I knew that he had seen me. He stopped to light a cigarette, and I walked away along the dark wharf to the shadows of a warehouse, where I waited. And a while, I began to pick Joe up, coming towards me from one dim light to another. I picked up something else, too. A man, following him about half a block behind. Joe was almost to me. I didn't know if he knew he was being followed or not. I was afraid he'd speak to me, and yet... I'd had to talk to him. So I did the only thing I could. I jumped him. You're being tailed. Oh, I shook him. I'm taking over. Look out for a key man. Big, bald, turtleneck sweater. Where's the plasma? 
Fix on a freighter, Bruno. Sales tonight. I'm signed on as a seaman. Jump ship. I'll get the bird. <laughs> I'm going to knock you out. Okay. Make it look good. <clears throat> hit him on the shoulder. He fell as though he were out. I rolled him, took his money and his watch, his papers, stuffed them into my pocket. I did it slowly, methodically, as I listened to the footsteps approach. The footsteps of the man who had been tailing Joe. As he came into the light, I looked up, guiltily. Looked into the face of a big, bald man wearing a turtleneck sweater. You can get in trouble, Dottie. Yeah? You gonna make it? Well, I ought to report you. You're going to? Why did you pick on him to rob? Because he's a seaman and he's got papers. You took his money, too. I got to get out of the country if it's any of your business. Don't fight me, friend. I can help you. Yeah? Why? Why? Maybe I just like to help people. Maybe it's because I had no use for the guy you rolled. Come on. I'll buy you a drink. Cafe Mamba. Ever been there? I've seen it. Go on, have another. No, look, I'm not going to hang around here all night. I got to get out of the country. Relax. I told you I'd fix it up for you, and I will. The Bruno's sailing at midnight. Got a connection. I'll talk to him. Go ahead. Order anything you want. Charlie, give him anything he wants. Look, I don't want anything. Why don't I come with you? You'll stay here. I won't be very I watched the big, bald man as he walked to the door. I'd made the contact. It had been easy. But that's what bothered me. It had been too easy. He stopped for a second on his way out and spoke to the muscular man at the piano, then to the girl, the girl who'd wanted to buy me a drink earlier. I wanted to follow the big man, but I had a feeling I wouldn't get past the piano. In a moment... A girl sat down beside me. Well, you're getting to be a regular customer. Still buying you drinks? Hey, who's the guy with the bald head? He said he was a friend of yours. Wants me to keep you company. Be careful, we're being watched. Huh? The man at the piano. He wasn't hired because he can play Swanee River. Illuminating, but I'm not interested. Interested in getting out of here alive? Very much so. Well, then, make fine scotch. Hey, bartender. Scotch for the lady. What's the matter? You too good to drink with me? Make that two. That's better. Okay, now tell me. Why are you concerned about me? I'm supposed to knock you out. Huh? Those two drinks you just ordered, yours will be loaded. Why? I don't know. He gave me $50 to do it. That's all I know. And he told the guy at the piano to see that you drank it. Yeah, but I don't understand. Why are you telling me? I don't know myself. You're different, I guess. Not like the rest of this scum that comes into this joint. So my drink's going to be loaded, eh? And the man at the piano is going to see I drink it. I <laughs> don't have much choice, do I? Oh, well, I'm going to help you. They wouldn't do anything to you in here. Now, after the drink hits you, I'm supposed to get you out the back door and throw you in the alley. Yeah, well, that'll be a big help. Oh, but I'm not going to. Oh, shh. Scotch is such a high-class drink. Why the double talk? Look, when I reach around you for the ashtray, the guy at the piano won't be able to see you. And you switch the drinks. You drink mine. Yeah, but what about you? They don't expect me to drink. Yeah, but... Get it down. Drink it quick. And pretend you're dizzy. I'll help you get there, Alan. 
When you get there, you better run, brother, and run fast. Yeah, but to you, what'll happen to you? You stop playing. Now take your choice. Do it my way or do it his. Hurry, switch them. <laughs> In the mirror, I saw him coming, but her body hid the drinks from him. I did what she said. I switched them and gulped hers down. Then I sat on the stool a minute and pretended to get dizzy. I ran my hand over my head, leaned against her. She helped me off the stool, put my arm around her shoulder, and led me to the alley door. The ruse was working perfectly. Perfectly, except for one thing. I was dizzy. My stomach suddenly turned over and over. And the floor came up to meet me as I fell flat into their trap. It was wet and damp, and I felt cold when I came to. It took me several minutes to figure out where I was. They had dumped me in the shadows of the warehouse where I had jumped Joe. Joe was there, too, lying where I'd left him. But not the way I'd left him. He was dead. Killed with a bullet that unquestionably came from the gun I was holding. And I was framed. A murder that served two purposes. I felt rotten leaving Joe there, but I had to get away before the police found me and delayed me. As it happened, I wasn't a block away when I heard their sirens. I stopped under a streetlight and looked at my watch. Quarter to one. The plasma. The ship. I ran along the waterfront to the docks. But the Bruno was gone. The tugboat was letting go her lines as she slipped out of the channel into the open sea. In more ways than one, I had missed the boat. I left the waterfront, went uptown, and registered at a commercial hotel where I'd made my report over the phone to the chief in Washington. And then I waited. For the information I had to have before I could proceed. Those are the bad hours. The hours when you wait. Because that's when you think. Joe Chapman. His family. A vicious organization dealing in stolen blood. I was glad when the call came. Hello? Mark? Oh, yes, Chief. The SS Bruno is of Panamanian registry. Skipper John Kubitschek. Bound for China. Red China? What? Nothing. Go on. First port of call, Puerto Limon, Costa Rica. Well, that means she'll have to go through the canal. That's right. What's your plan, Mark? When she goes through the canal, have her detained and searched. Well, have you got any evidence? Only too glad to have her searched, but we have to have something more to go on than a hunch, you know. I'll have evidence by the time she gets there. I'm going to board her at Puerto Limon. How, Mark? Do you think you can? Well, it shouldn't be too hard. She's short a seaman. And incidentally, I'll need papers. All right, I'll have identification make up a set of seamen's papers and get them to you by air in the morning. Good. Well, I guess that's about all. Have the police here notified you about, uh, about Joe? Yeah. They're flying him back. I hated to leave him. I... Yeah, yeah. Mark? Yeah? Watch it. They're not only stealing blood now, they're spilling it. <laughs> By the time I caught a plane and landed at Puerto Limon, I was well on the way to looking disreputable. What with needing a shave and not changing my clothes, I looked exactly what I advertised myself to be, a beachcomber. And as such, I attracted the attention of a languid gentleman by the name of Juan Emilio, owner of Emilio Brothers Warehouses, 
whose signs along the dock proclaimed him an important man in port. Shipper, importer, exporter, transportation. Senor. Eh? You've been around the docks three or four days now. You're looking for a job? No. Well, I'm a man of some influence. You could do no better than to work for me. Right today, huh? What kind of work? Warehouse, donkey. No, you're not a man for donkeys. Dock. You can load cargo. No. Thanks just the same. That's the trouble with everybody. Too lazy for work. Believe me, Juan Emilio did not arrive at his present state of finance from being lazy. No, amigo. The SS Bruno docked late one afternoon. She was tied off, the hatches open. Steam brought the winches to life, and the native stevedores on dock got busy, helping load a cargo of coffee from Emilio's warehouse on her. On the deck, the first mate was supervising the loading. Come on, come on, you amigos. We haven't got all year. I walked up the blank plank to him. Come on, come on, get on. Step up. Get that cargo on. Uh, who are you? What do you want? A job. Read it. Look, mister, I'm on a beach. I want to get out of here. Sign me on. I got papers. Oh, Bert's, I said. Yeah, but I've been here six months. I want to go home. We're going to China. China, any place. I don't care. Just get me out of this hole. You're going to beat it? Okay, okay. Hey, come on. Come on, you guys. Get on it. Oh, Senior Emilio. Oh, the beach goer. You change your mind about a job? Yeah. You use another hand with that cargo there? You must be pretty hungry today. Get to work, senor. I joined the line of derelicts and peons who were carrying coffee from the warehouse to the dock. I felt if I kept busy, I wouldn't be noticed. I had to get aboard that ship, and since I couldn't do it legitimately, I'd do it the other way. I worked for almost an hour, and when the mate and Mr. Emilio were in a harangue, I slipped aboard and made my way aft, swung open the small iron door that led down into the propeller shaft alley, and in that cramped and dim place, I waited. For another hour, I could still hear it, the noise and confusion of cargo being brought aboard and stowed in the hold. And then, in a while, that sound was replaced by another sound. And we were underway. In roughly 48 hours, we would be detained in the Panama Canal. I had to find the plasma before then, but my first concern was to avoid discovery until I had located it. I was safe in the propeller shaft until the oiler made his rounds. But that wasn't for long. I climbed up and out of the way I'd come in. On the well deck, two seamen were completing, battening down the hatches. I ducked, tried for the shelter deck. The door was locked. I went up a ladder, and I was amidships. I turned into a companionway and ran right into him. My big, bald friend in the turtleneck sweater. Only now, he had added a cap, proclaiming him master of the Bruno. Well, you again. Captain Kubitschek. At your service. Yeah, I don't like your service. I didn't like it the last time when you threw me in the alley with a corpse. Corpse? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. By the way, what happened to you? I come back for you at the bar, but you were gone. And how'd you get aboard my ship? Stowed away. In New Orleans? You didn't think I'd stand still for murder, did you? I told you I had to get out of the country. So you did. So you did. Oh, Skipper, hmm. everything's ship-shaped now. Did you... Hey, what's this punk doing here? You know him? He hit me for a job. In New Orleans? No, Limon. I told him we didn't have no bird. Well, it looks like you lied to me, Mr... Smith. 
It's an odd coincidence, isn't it, Mr. Smith? First New Orleans, then Puerto Limon. You seem to be following me around. What are we going to do with him? What we usually do with stowaways, put him to work. Put him to work? Of course. And then we get to the canal zone, we turn him over to the authorities. Send me over to the authorities? What for? You've broken the law, haven't you? It's illegal to stow away. He didn't seem the least concerned that I was aboard. Not the least. And yet I knew, he knew, why I was there. You get so you sense when you're hot. I had an odd feeling a switch was being worked again. They kept me busy, and although they didn't watch me openly, they saw to it that I never got to the holes. I did get one chance at the cargo. On the shelter deck, there were some crates. We had just passed the lighthouse off Point Toro outside the breakwater of the canal. I got to the crates, and I ripped one open. But it only contained spades and shovels. Small farm equipment. I was ripping open another crate when a mate jumped. Why, you should have jumped overboard. Mr. Rick, let him go. You ought to learn discretion. And you, Mr. Smith, you're very curious, aren't you? Captain Kubicek, we'll be in Panama Canal in a very little while. I am aware of the course. I'll just stand here talking to him, Skipper. Let me take care of him. Don't be a fool. Don't you realize Mr. Uh, Smith is a special agent? You're very wise, Captain. The canal authorities know I'm on board the Bruno, and if you were to arrive in the canal without me, I'm afraid you'd be in a bad spot, so no fatal accidents, eh? You underestimate me, Mr. Smith. I never have accidents. Christabel, where we were boarded by the Navy, I had the first sense of security since I'd left Washington. Captain Kubitschek? Yes? Lieutenant Easterday, United States Navy. I've orders to detain your ship and have you searched. I don't understand, Lieutenant. Why my ship? Searched for what? Uh, Lieutenant, my name is Mark Wagner. Oh, glad to see you, Wagner. I, I was informed you'd be on board. Wagner? I thought you said your name was Smith. All right, man, searcher. What is the meaning of this indignity, Lieutenant? What are you looking for? Contraband plasma stolen from the United States government to be transported to Red China. On my ship? And you suspicion me? I won't allow it, Lieutenant. I have my rights, and I refuse to permit... Open the holes, Captain. We're going to inspect your cargo. We went into the holes and we looked. We broke open every bit of cargo. We searched. We fine-tooth combed that ship, and we found nothing. In the end, we apologized, and Captain Kubitschek and the Bruno left with a clean bill of health. We sailed through the canal and into the Pacific. Too bad, Wagner. I was uh, hoping we'd find that plasma as much as you were. Lieutenant, I don't understand it. Joe Chapman was positive it was a boy. Well, maybe he'd had a bum steer. No, I might believe that if they hadn't killed him. They were afraid of him or they wouldn't have killed him. Well, not on board now, that's for sure. We didn't miss any hiding place big enough to store a package of K-rations. I still don't buy it. They got rid of me in New Orleans, so I couldn't join the ship. New Orleans? Where did you board her? Port of Limon. Oh, they, they, they didn't drop any cargo at Limon. They only took some cargo on. I know. I helped them. I... What's the matter? Of course. That, that last hour down in the shaft. How, how would I know if they were loading or unloading? It would sound the same, wouldn't it? Yeah, but why drop plasma at Limon if it's bound for China? 
What would they do with it in Costa Rica? Well, another ship could pick it up. They could shuttle it to the Pacific. Could be. I've got to get back to Limon before that stuff disappears. Lieutenant, I'll need a plane. You've got one, mister. In a matter of hours, I was back in Porto Limon, in the elaborate office of Juan Emilio. Oh, so you come back. You're a very unreliable fellow. You work one hour. What happened? You opened your drunk somewhere? And do not ask me to pay wages for Senor Emilio, did the SS Bruno drop any cargo when she was in port? Huh? I want a straight answer, senor. Did she drop any cargo? You see, did you not see for yourself? Where is that cargo? In your warehouse? No, senor, it's gone. What ship has it? No ship, uh, donkey train. Donkey? See, it goes my donkey to Punta Arenas. Punta Arenas is on the west coast of Costa Rica, on the Pacific Ocean. A very strange fellow for a beachcomber. You're sure that cargo's on the donkey train? You couldn't be mistaken. Mistaken, senor? When I myself own the donkey train? You know what's in that shipment? You know what your donkeys are carrying? Yeah. Sewing machines. Sewing machines. A man does not get rich by asking questions, senor. One time we carried dynamite to Punta Arenas. Boom! Blow up the donkeys. Well, I have insurance. Thank you, senor Emilio. Thank you very much. It was perfectly clear now. The Bruno had dropped the plasma on the Atlantic coast of Costa Rica, intending to pick it up on the Pacific, completely escaping the danger of being caught with it in the canal. As the Navy plane carried me across Costa Rica, I looked down from the newest form of transportation and saw the oldest, the donkey train. I naturally arrived days ahead of them in Punta Arenas, where I impatiently waited. And one day, the donkey train plodded in, and along with the local authorities, I inspected the cargo. The crates on the backs of the donkeys were labeled sewing machines, all right, but they were filled with plasma. And that afternoon, as the SS Bruno put into the Bay of Nicoya, I helped carry the cargo aboard, disguised as a peon, the leader of the donkey train. When the last crate was on deck, I presented Captain Kubitschek with a bill of lading. The cargo is in order, senor. Yeah, in order. And you are supposed to sign here, senor. I know, Bert, to sign. There. Now up, get your men off the ship. I'll be glad to, Captain Kubitschek. Will you join us? Hugger. You're under arrest. This is Costa Rica. You have no authority here. You're quite right. But I've covered that, Captain Kubitschek. What are you talking about? If you'll take a closer look at the peons who carried aboard the cargo under every sombrero, you'll see a member of the Costa Rican police. dirtiest cases in the books. The Bruno was interred, the captain and the entire crew extradited to the United States for trial, and the plasma flown to Korea, express. And I was back in headquarters in Washington. Well, you were right, Mark. We checked back on Kubitschek. You got a record of black market operations in Europe a mile long. Well, it won't be hard to get a conviction on him. What about the girl in New Orleans? Well, we've got her. Name's Elsie Solonsky. Hmm. We've got all of them. Nailing Kubitschek wraps up this whole operation. Oh, that's good. Good. Well, have a good time on your vacation, Mark. You need it. When are you leaving? Oh, tomorrow. No. What's wrong with this afternoon? Why wait till tomorrow? Uh, there's something I've got to do. I've neglected doing it for a long time. Well, maybe I can do it for you. No. No, I've got to take care of this myself. I... 
Say, maybe you can at that. Good idea. You can come along with me. Get your hat. Sure, Mark, sure. Where are we going? To the blood bank. Sure. <laughs> they give you coffee and donuts over there, you know. This is Douglas Fairbanks again. The capture of the missing blood closes another chapter in the distinguished chronicle of our silent men. The special agents of all branches of our federal government who daily risk their lives to protect the lives of all of us. Next week, we will tell you a story involving grand theft of war material in the file case entitled Stolen Arsenal, another venture undertaken for our protection by the silent men. The Silent Men is produced and directed by Warren Lewis. Tonight's case was written by John and Gwen Bagney and transcribed in Hollywood. Only the names and places were fictional. Featured in tonight's cast were Lorene Tuttle, Paul Fries, Luke Krugman, Nestor Piava, and Don Diamond. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Douglas Fairbanks is currently presenting Betty Davis, Gary Merrill, and Emlyn Williams in the motion picture Another Man's Poison. Listen again next week and every week to other exciting cases involving the losses involving the law enforcement adventures of the special agents of our federal government. For they are the silent men. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Welcome back. Well, I enjoyed this one. I thought it was a good setup for mystery. And, and I like how uh, the they had to uh, figure out the smuggler's plan, which was really quite ingenious. Uh, as a blood donor, I did kind of find myself wondering how they managed to keep the blood usable i mean the idea of uh, taking it on a donkey train seemed kind of out there but uh, during both world war ii and korea the military uh, used a lot of dried plasma which i'm sure would travel a lot better than the type of uh, blood products uh, that are used today we didn't have a refrigeration. It's interesting to note that we have heard a few episodes uh, s centered around uh, Korea, and most of them have not had the same sort of direct uh, involvement, and the emphasis has been much less. But uh, the degree to which uh, it is discussed at all, the idea of donating blood is kind of at the forefront. Uh, there was also, of course, a Johnny Dollar episode where Johnny went and gave it a blood bank and had some reflections on that. And there was an episode of I Was a Communist for the FBI where the communist hijacked a truck full of stolen blood or were plotting to do so, though the plot was quite different from this one. I also liked in this episode, you know, you did have the uh, trope of the 
agent who came back from a long mission expecting arrest and then is sent out. But they had a good reason for it. I, I like the way that they actually justified why they were doing this. Uh, because it's often seems like they're kind of, you know, in other productions that they're just kind of going for the cliche of, well, the law enforcement uh, officer's work is never done without any explanation. Here, of course, given a good one because they needed someone who would know the agent on the ground on site. Now, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Greg, Patreon supporter since April 2020, currently supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Greg. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, rate it, and if you like, review it wherever you download your podcast from. Join us back here tomorrow, Public Domain Video Theater. It's an episode of Man with a Camera I think you'll quite enjoy. And then we will be back on Monday with uh, Casey Crime Photographer. And next Saturday, another episode of The Silent Men. In the meantime, send your comments to box 13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.